So this is our, our Palm Sunday episode. We got our Easter service just right around the corner. And uh, this is one of the times when the, the calendar dictates what we talk about. You know, we expect to have this kind of message today because it is this day. And I went through and I looked at the, uh, the Gospels. You know, this is one of these occasions that is recorded by all four, Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John. All of them have an entry in the events that took place during this time. So when I was, I was looking back over, I was trying to decide which version that I, that I want to go with. And then uh, I went back and forth because, you know, each one of these people, whenever they were inspired by the events that happened, they all have their own way of looking at it. You know, many times as a, as a young Christian, we're first starting out and you, you look at these things and we see like there seems to be a lot of redundancy. We seem to talk about the same things over and over. We have four accounts of the ministry of Jesus by four different people. And someone might think that that's a little too much, that, you know, there's, it's been covered, especially when we see the same things being covered by all four of these authors. But then if we look at it more closely, we can see the similarities and the differences and how each one saw and what was affected. You know, whenever we see things more than once, it's something that we really need to, to take note of and to look at and see why it needs to be mentioned multiple times. Let's start off in, in Matthew. That's chapter 21, verse 1. And when the, they drew night into Jerusalem, they were coming out of Bethphage into the Mount of Olives, and they sent Jesus two disciples, saying unto them, Go into the village over against you, and straight away you will find an ass tied, and a colt with her. Loosen them and bring them to me. And if any man say unto you, you say the Lord has need of them, and straight away he will send them. All of these were done that it might be fulfilled, which is spoken by the prophet, saying, Tell the daughter of Zion, Behold, thy king cometh, and to the meek, and sitting upon the ass of a colt and foal of an ass. And the disciples went, and they did, and Jesus commanded them. And he brought the ass and the colt, and they put them in their clothes, and they set them thereon. And the very great magnitude spread their garments in the way, and others cut down branches from trees and sued them in the way. And the multitudes that went before, saying, crying, saying, Hosanna, the son of David, blessed is that that cometh in the name of the Lord, Hosanna in the highest. And when he was to come into Jerusalem, all the city was moved. And the multitude said, this is Jesus, the prophet of Nazareth of Galilee. So we see here that we are, are capturing the prophecy. It was said long before, and Jesus is fulfilling the prophecy. And even the little things we look at. They say, you're going up, and they're going to take 
these two animals that don't belong to them. And you can imagine that happening in today's world. Someone's going to get quite upset when he tells them, you tell them that the Lord is in need of it. And he's going to give them up straight away. That shows us the power of the Lord. And what did they do? They just spoke. They delivered a message, a message from the Lord. And it had enough power that they met no resistance. And we see that these people are, are excited. That this is coming off Jesus resurrecting Lazarus. And one reason we have to cover all four because that point is made in one of the other versions. And it was this, this grand finale. It was this grand thing that he did that has been bigger and better and the buildup of everything that he's been doing. And it's caused the multitudes to follow. And they're expecting a king. They're seeing him as royalty. They're putting their garments between him and this animal. They're putting their garments and these limbs on the ground between him and the ground. They are, are sanctifying him. They are making him in their image grand. Their, they, they, he is their hero. He's coming in to save the day. Mark 11. And when they came into the night of Jerusalem and Bethpage and Bethany at the Mount of Olives, and he sent forth two of his disciples, and they say, Go your way into the village over against you, and you soon you be into it, you will find a colt tied. Whenever a man said, I loosen him and bring him. And if a man say unto you, why do you do this? Because the Lord is in need of him. Straight away he will send it hither. And they went to their way and found the colt tied by the door without a place of the two-way met. And they loosened him. And a certain of them that stood there and said unto them, What are they losing thy colt? And they say unto them, Jesus has commanded. And they let them go. And they brought the colt to Jesus and cast their garments on him. And they sat upon him and they spread their garments in the way and others cutting down branches of the trees. And they screwed them in the way and they that went before them and they cried saying, Hosanna, blessed the coming in the name of the Lord. Blessed is the kingdom of our father David that cometh in the name of the Lord. Hosanna in the highest. And Jesus entered into Jerusalem and into the temple. And when he looked around about all things, now even the tide, he went out into Bethany with the twelve. Now we see we, we start out the same. We see have a little bit of, of, of different verbiage there. We're coming from two different people with their own personal accounts of this same event that happened. And we see a little more detail into what happened when they came and they showed up and they exercised the power of the Lord. They spoke to it. Our Lord Jesus needs it. They spoke his name. And he said, here, go. There was no resistance. No resistance when it came to the Lord. And we see that the chance, what's people hollering in the streets? We get that captured again, word for word, because that's what they were out there saying over and over again. Hosanna. Blessed is the name that cometh in the name of the Lord. Blessed is the kingdom of our father David. He was the hero. 
And then in Luke 19, 28. And when they had spoken this request for ascending to Jerusalem, and it came to pass when it was a night, and Bethpage and Bethany had overcalled the Mount of Olives, he sent two of his disciples, saying, Go into the village over against you, in which is entering, they shall find a colt tied. And whenever a man sat, loosen him and bring him hither. And if any man ask you, Why do you loosen him? Thus shall say unto him, Because the Lord has need of him. And then that were sent, they were on their way, they found them as he said they were, and that they were loosened the colt, and the owners therefore said unto them, Why do you loosen thy colt? And they said, The Lord has need of him. And they brought him to Jesus, and they cast their garments onto the colt, and they set Jesus thereon. And he went, and he spread their clothes in the way. And when he was to come nigh, and even descend upon the Mount of Autumn, the whole multitude of disciples began to rejoice and praise God with a loud voice for all the mighty works they have seen, saying, Blessed be the King that cometh in the name of the Lord, peace in heaven and glory in the highest. And some of the Pharisees among the multitude upon him saying, Master, rebuke thy disciples. And he answered and said unto them, I shall tell you, if these should hold their peace, the stones would immediately cry out. Now, the last bit of Luke's tale has some real different impact that we need to dive deep into. See, because what we have here is three different things. We have three different mindsets. We have the heavenly mission. We have God that has sent his son Jesus, and he has got a mission to do. He's got things that he needs to accomplish. And there's one thing that God can count on from us humans, that we are going to mess up. We are going to fall away from what we need to do. And through one reason or another, we are going to go against him. And we're going to foul things up. But God, he knows the beginning from the end. He knows what we're going to do. And he knows how to deal with us to get done what needs to be done for us in spite of us. Because we have all these people that are, are chanting and they're thinking that Jesus is coming right now. He's going to set up his kingdom right now and he's going to change everything. You know, he's been doing all these miracles and they're starting to come around to the idea that he might be who he says he is. And you see, now we've even got people that are calling out to heaven. They're blessing God. They're... They're starting to really start to, to pick up, well, this is the Son of God. All the pieces are starting to come together and starting to see it. But they're not looking at the big picture. They're seeing a little portion of it. And they're concerned about, like all humans do, like we do today, like we're consumed in right now, about how we feel right at this moment. And they want Jesus 
the Son of God, God in man form, to make their feelings better. And they want him to come right now to set up his kingdom right now and to change everything and to do all of these amazing things so they can feel better. And then we have the, the third part of the story, which is the Pharisees. And they've been troubled by Jesus the whole entire time because they got this man and he's up here and he's saying all these things. He's going against what they're trying to do because they want to maintain their wealth. They want to maintain their control. They want to maintain their power. And Jesus is, is breaking all of this up. He's telling them that there's a, a different way that we don't have to deal with the nonsense that they're being fed by, to, by these people that we have access, that we can do things by faith, that we don't have to rely on these Pharisees. And it's a, a threat to their power. It's a threat to what they are trying to accomplish. They've been trying to get rid of this man over and over. They've been trying to trip him up, trying to do everything they can, and nothing they do works. Why? Because he is Jesus, the Son of God. And then he tells them, if I told them to hold their peace, that the rocks would cry out. And this is a two-fold statement here. First of all, Jesus is saying, I do have the authority. I do have the ability. I could make these people quiet. It's well within my scope of power. But I'm not going to. Because there's something even bigger than that. And that's God. And God is going to be praised no matter what. He's telling them no matter what you do, no matter what you say, it doesn't matter because God is going to be praised. And you, could you imagine that? Let's just say if Jesus went along with it and he silenced the crowd, and then all of a sudden the rocks started crying out, the rocks started praising God. Oh, it would have been game over then, folks. But Jesus had something he had to get accomplished. And if he put that much proof in front of these people. If he allowed something that big to take place right then, it might have changed the trajectory of what had to happen. See, Jesus knew that he had to go to that cross. He had to be that one-time living sacrifice for all of us. It had to take place. He also knew that man was going to put him there. John 12. John's always got a little bit different version. It's always interesting. I think Matthew and John are a very good contrast to one another. To we can look at these different things. But let's look at what, what John has to say in chapter 12. On the next day, much people that were coming to the feast, when they heard that Jesus was coming to Jerusalem, they took branches of palm trees and they went forth to meet him and cried, Hosanna, 
Blessed is the king of Israel that cometh in the name of the Lord. And Jesus, when he had found a young ass, sat thereon, as it is written, Fear not, the daughter of Zion, behold, the king cometh and sinneth on an ass colt. These things understood not the disciples at first. But when Jesus was glorified, they remembered these things that were written of him and that he had done these things unto him. The people, therefore, that was with him, that he, when he called Lazarus out of the grave and raised from him the dead, bear record. For this caused the people to also meet him, for they heard that he had done this miracle. The Pharisees therefore said among themselves, For deceive, how ye prevailed nothing. Behold, the world has gone after him. So we see we go back again. We go back to that prophecy. You know, people, they take and they want to discredit the Bible. They want to do whatever they can to try to make it a, a falsehood, to try to make it a story, to try to make it not factual. But the more the more they try, if they actually dig and are actually looking for the truth, the more and the more that the Word of God proves itself. These prophecies were written long, long before Jesus was ever born. Long before that name was ever spoke. Long before he was ever thought of. These things were to take place. A lot of times we see here that the disciples... The people that were closest to him, it says they didn't understand. You know, Jesus talked about all these things, but it was just talk. You know, it seemed unreal. Many times in life, that's how we perceive things. We hear talk about things. We talk about the future. We talk about how things are going to unfold. But we really can't grasp the concept of reality to it until we actually see it, that we visualize it. And that's what was going to, that was happening here. They heard these things, and then they were seeing it come to life. It was remarkable. Jesus told them, go over here, and you're going to find this animal tied up. Not only that, when you... Tell the, tell the guy that the Lord needs it. He's just going to let you have it. Imagine that. Imagine someone telling you these things. And you go and these things start to transpire. And he's doing these things that are, are written. And then we talk about Lazarus. Now, to this point, Jesus has done some pretty cool things. You know, he's, he's healed the sick. He's fed multitudes of, of people. 
He's done a lot of teaching. Large crowds, small crowds, intimate teaching with his disciples. We've got a lot of different ways how he has interacted in the lives of, of different people. How he's forever changed them. How people have seen something in him that's different. Then he does this, this grand thing. Now, what's the, the contrast here? And how, how does this apply today? Because we're still doing the same things. We're looking and seeing things, and we should be saying, that's God. That's God. That's God. But we don't. We try to make it about ourselves. That's what, what I did. That's what someone did for me. We don't see it as God until we, we absolutely have to. He had a, a decent following, but it was this one event kind of turned the tables on everything. It went from a, a decent following to a, a large following because he did this grand thing. And we go back that God's never... Late, he's never early, always right on time. Jesus had a point to prove. Remember one of the sisters, she was upset because Jesus didn't come right away. He'd been laying in the ground. Her brother's laying in the ground for, for three days. But that wasn't because Jesus was him hauling. It wasn't because that he didn't care. It's because he had a point to prove. This was his, his grand miracle. This was the, the showstopper. This is what needed to take place. John tells us this here. This is what, what, what turns the tables here. Three days he'd been buried. And he raises Lazarus. I want you to, to picture this now. Picture this. He, we're at the, the tomb, so we have to roll away the big old stone. And we have this dark cave. Lazarus doesn't come walking out of there. Jesus says, Lazarus, come forward. So he's all wrapped up in these burial garments. They're wrapped up like a mummy, all tight, all... Tied up in these, these things. And you can go back and you can read the account of it. It tells you that he has to be loosened from them once he gets out. So he didn't come scurrying up the path. He didn't come bunny hopping out of there. He came flying out of there. The word of God drew him out of that grave. Can you imagine that? You're standing around, you're watching, and this body comes flying up out of that tunnel. It stands there before him, and men have to tear him loose, get him free. And he's, he's struggling now because he's been, had life poured back into him. And this is one of these events that, you know, okay, well, a healing, that could be something else. But to see life restored 
after three days, the seam come flying out of that grave. And just by speaking, he didn't have to lay his hands on him. You know, that woman with the issue of blood, she just thought, if I could just touch him, then I could be healed. You know, she could have been healed if she stayed at home with that kind of faith. But in her mind, her faith was, I just had to touch him. That if I could make this effort, if I could just touch him, he'd be healed. We see before, Jesus tells the one fellow, he comes for help, and it's like, I understand you don't have to go. You can just say it and it will be done. Just the way I instruct my men, you can say it and it will be done. We get these small little samples. Jesus gives us these little, little clues leading up to this, this big event. And the people were impressed. But how does that look like us today? We have to have something that is absolutely, totally, and completely unexplainable for we'll remotely even think about it being God. Reality is God is in everything that we do. Everything that we are, everything we accomplished, he has his hand in it. But we don't give him credit for it. But when something happens that's so big, and he's showing us right here. Well, we have a few people that have seen a few things. But we have this, this mass thing. Could you imagine if we had Twitter back then? It would have been blowing up. Nazareth man raised the dead. People would have had all the cell phones out filming the events. We would have seen it all over the place. I'm sure word spread like wildfire the way it did back then from person to person. And we see these, these great masses. But you know, the thing was that they wasn't concerned about who he is. They wasn't concerned about Blessed the king of David because he is the son of God. Because he deserves our worship. Because he is our savior. Now, it wasn't not about any of that. They seen this man with this great power and this great ability. And they looked at him as someone that could change what was happening right now. Something to change their feelings, to make them feel better, to enhance their lives. Something they could get and put very little in. And that's the same thing we want from God today. We pray. We want something to happen right now. Change our circumstances, God. Make me feel better, God. Never you mind that I haven't put in the effort on my part. Never mind that this is a one-sided relationship and I want you to do everything and I want to put nothing in. Never you mind that I have not 
bothered to read your word, to learn your word, to learn how to receive from you. I just want you to overlook all of that. I just want you to help me because I'm in need now. You know, we only talk to God when we need a favor. We're that relative that only comes out of the woodworks when we need something. And what about the Pharisees? Verse 19, the Pharisees therefore said among themselves, perceive how we have prevailed nothing. Behold, the world has gone after him. Now this was a defining moment for them as well. Because they've had all this time that they've tried to get rid of this man that's attacking their way of life. If they don't have control over the people, they lose their power. They lose their money. They lose their abilities. Jesus is a real threat to them. And up to this point, they've tried to stay within some kind of of guidelines. Because they have to do two things. They have to get rid of this fellow by one means or another. That's why they're constantly attacking his character. Attacking who he claimed to be. They were trying any way to make him go against what the the laws were. And Jesus always had an answer from the word. The word was his weapon. It was his sword. And he is the master at wielding it. They're one. It's his word. And because he was using God's perfect word, there was nothing that the Pharisees could do. And see, they had to make a a public mockery of him. They had to allow others to see that they tripped him up. But it never happened. And you just see the, the way it was written here. They have done all these things and they have prevailed nothing. Out of all the effort they put in to take out this man, nothing worked. And now they even have more people that's flocking to him. He is a phenomenon. He is becoming a powerhouse. And they're desperate. Which takes us into the events that we typically talk about next Sunday. What do we do when we're, we're desperate? When everything's on the line? See, that, at that point there, they weren't worried about following any kind of guidelines. They wasn't worried about how people were going to perceive them. They had to make their move 
right then. Fortunately, God is always one step ahead. And he knew exactly how things were going to transpire. You think Judas was amongst the twelve by accident? They needed someone like him. He was part of the plan. We have all these people that's shouting and cheering. But all it takes is just a few. So for the Pharisees, it was a point of desperation. They had realized that everything they had done had accomplished nothing. They had tried and tried numerous times to be able to take this man down with a threat to their power, their money, their, their way of life. Because he was telling them grand things to the masses that wasn't in line with what they were telling the masses. So, so they've been trying all this time and they failed. They was at a point of desperation because now they had even more people that was following him, that was seeing how grand Jesus was and is. And that's what drove him to do desperate acts, to step outside the guidelines, not worry about who's seen. But lucky for us that God knows exactly what's going on. He was already in plan for it. There was no accident. It wasn't no coincidence that Judas was amongst the twelve. God needed him to do what he did. And he knew his character, he knew his heart, and he knew that he was going to do what he did. And then look at all of us. There's no difference between the people that are staying out in the crowd and us today. When we don't get what we want, when our expectations are not met, when our feelings are not changed, we're quick to give up and jump course. If God ain't going to be Johnny on the spot and do what we need, then we have a fooey on Tim attitude. And that's exactly what we did. Just a few people. A few people was willing to change the script for just a, a little bit of money. Willing to go out there and, and change. Start chanting something different. Free Barabbas. And that's what it took to put Jesus on the cross. We didn't care at that point. And I say we. Because it wouldn't be no different if we were standing here today. We would have done the same thing. We didn't care that the man on the cross was innocent. We didn't care about all the things he had done. Because we are so quickly to forget what God has done for us in the past. We only got our sights on the future and what's now and what's bothering us right now. And if he's not going to help us with that, then we don't care about anything else. We don't care about what we don't put in, how one-sided our relationship with him is, how what we don't do. We don't know how to receive from God because we haven't took the time to learn. It was a three-part situation. One part holding on the power. One part of someone looking for something new, something to change, something to make them feel better. And then God. And the problem with the other two is they weren't in line with the one in the middle, God. 
both the others, both the masses and the Pharisees had their own agendas, their own things they wanted to get accomplished. And neither of them aligned up with God. And the reality is, for both of them, the only way to truly be happy, to truly find peace, and those are really the things we're looking for, money, power, change of venue, these are all just symptoms of a bigger problem. They're just band-aids we put on something because we're lacking something. What we need is to align with God. Lucky for us, Jesus gave us a way to do so.